Oh, isn't that a sick feeling? Watch that baton hit the ground. <laughs> that is uh, Allison Felix, who's a runner on the 2016 Olympic team. And uh, the girl ne- next to her bumped her while she was running, and she dropped her baton while the whole world was watching. I had, that had to be such a sick feeling. Hey, we are glad you're with us this morning. Today we're going to be looking at uh, going into a new series on Joshua. We're going to be looking at passing the baton. And um, interesting story, I actually had a baton with me, and um, I left that baton somewhere, <laughs> so I already dropped it. <laughs> it was a great prop. It was an actual baton. And so I came out here and had some fun with it during the first service. So I was in high school, and uh, I was actually really fast, and so I was a quick runner. And so uh, they signed me up for you know, some track thing. And, uh, man, I just couldn't get the baton passed down. So I, I did that for about a week. <laughs> and then I said, you, you, you can't turn around while you're running, so just, just do something else. And I was talking to Shannon uh, um, Marcus. She was, uh, she was actually in track, so she was actually a baton relay racer. And so it was fun just kind of comparing notes with her. Uh, today we're looking at passing the baton. And uh, if you are interested uh, on our website, uh, or our app, you can actually go, there's a link on that, other, on that previous slide, go back to that. If you want to just go to our app, you can pull it down there, or you can go to a, back up one slide. Right down there, it's uh, Bible.com uh, events, and you can do a search on the app. Um, but we're going to have all of our notes there, you can look at the passages and kind of keep some notes, so if you're into that kind of thing, um, we'll be doing that uh, whenever I teach, I like to do that, it's kind of fun to keep notes. So this is one time you get to use your, use your cell phone. So, But um, yeah, so we encourage you to follow along, but we're looking at passing of the baton today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, an important concept to think about how do we transfer and how do we move leadership, um, you know, in ministry, in our lives, in our workplaces. And, um, you know, in that last, uh, in that clip, uh, the U.S. actually got to go on and uh, they got to rerun the race. You know, there was a foul called, so the U.S. won. Uh, but can you imagine years of practice? I mean, you're working hard, um, you've been practicing, uh, you, you're part of a team, and you get to the, the, the big game, right? You're at the Olympics, and uh, you're running, and you pass the baton, and you drop it, and everybody sees you drop that. I mean, it's like, wow, your whole world just changes. We're like, oh, I cannot believe that just happened. You know, everything that everyone has been working on for so long has just been uh, flushed down the drain it's probably like uh, our Bears kicker, uh, Cody Parkley, feels right now. I understand they just released him for missing that field goal. I think they like him. I don't know. <laughs> but there's something about the visibility <laughs> of messing something up like that that just uh, can be humiliating. You know, this morning we're starting a four-week series uh, from the book of Joshua. It's about passing the baton. You know, we want to pass the baton well. The Bible is filled with people that have passed on different mantles of leadership and, and kind of screwed that up. Uh, but the, there's not very many examples of things that have gone well uh, in terms of leadership transition. But we were going to look at Moses and Joshua, who did a fantastic job um, passing uh, the baton of leadership. And uh, the life of any church is almost exactly like a relay race. You know, we pass the baton of leadership uh, in ministry all the time. Um, we have small group leaders that pass the baton of leadership to other small group leaders as they step out to birth new groups. Um, we pass the baton of leadership in our small groups or our ministry teams. You know, we pass the baton of leadership in our ministry all the time as we raise up new leaders, as leaders move. And, and you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing, raising up new leaders. And so there's this baton passing that is a healthy part of the church. And then we also pass on the baton of leadership from generation to generation. You know, this is not 
the first church in our area. It might be a surprise for some, but, you know, the baton of leadership has been passing down throughout the church for thousands of years. You know, baton leadership passing in the church is a normal part of life. And at Springbrook, uh, whether you like it or not right now, the baton of leadership is being passed. And we are the runners. And we have been called to keep the pace, to run the race towards the prize that we have been called to in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so that's what we're for. So the question is, is will you run that race to win? And so we're all on a race. Well, the question is, is are we running to win? And my prayer for Springbrook is that our next lap in this race um, will close the gap in our being effectively able to reach our community for Christ and to build passionate followers. Our passages that we're going to look at this morning are from a time when the baton was passed from Moses um, to Joshua. And this is more than just passing the baton from leader to leader. It is the beginning of a whole new way of life for God's people, just like Springbrook is facing a whole new way of life and beginning um, to our church life. So that's what we're going to look at this morning in Joshua chapter 1. If you brought your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to turn with me there. It's the sixth book in the Bible. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we've got some out at the Ministry Center counter. Uh, If you want to read along with me, that'd be great. It's on the app, or you can uh, just listen along as I read from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, who is Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the river into the land that I am about to give them, to all the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite, all the Hittite country, to the great sea onto the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful on whatever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and go in to take possession of the land that your Lord God is giving you for your very own. And so we're going to stop there. In these 10 verses this morning, um, we're going to find six principles that will teach us how to pass the baton of leadership well, that we can apply to this ministry today and that you can apply to your life as well as you're thinking about any transitions that you have coming up in your life. And so we're going to look at those six principles in just a minute. But would you just pray with me as we open this time up um, to the Lord? Father, I just thank you.
for your written word. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for your faithfulness and just for the way that you have gone before this ministry uh, for 24 years as you've raised, as you've worked through and in Pastor Dan. And as we move into this next season of ministry, God, I pray that your hand of protection would be on us. I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us clarity. I pray that you give us wisdom as we continue to seek your leading for us individually and as a church congregation. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's the six principles that uh, we're going to spend some time um, unpacking. And uh, by looking at these principles and by applying them um, to our ministry and to our life, um, I believe that we can keep stride, keep pace with what God has had for us uh, individually and together as a church uh, congregation. The first principle that we see right there at the beginning of the verse is that leaders do not last forever. Leaders do not last forever. I came from a big family. My great-grandmother, I think my great-great-grandmother just passed away. I had a great-grandmother that I can remember. She used to make me, uh, it's called a boy coffee. It was coffee with milk in it. But, um, you know, she was, I think, in her late 90s, and so I can remember when she passed away, um, going to her funeral. I had two grandmothers, um, both that went to be with the Lord when they were in their 90s, um, and I can remember going to their funerals. My mom just went to be with the Lord um, three years ago. And um, one of the things that I came to understand uh, at a young age was the fact that death is real. You know, we are not on this planet um, forever. Death is a real Thing. And that certainly is the case when it comes to leadership. In the first chapter, verse 1, um, God says this to Moses, or says this to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, that seems kind of awkward, doesn't it? I, I don't think he was a, an information kind of uh, passage. It's like, duh. <laughs> Yeah, we know that. But it's interesting that God wants us to focus on that reality, that death is something that real is real. And, and he wants God's people to be able to lament and, and to grieve that and to recognize that and to be able to accept that. Now, the good news is that Dan didn't die. <laughs> so that's, you know, praise God for that. You know, Dan is still here. You can still connect with him on Facebook. You know, last week he and I had an opportunity to touch base, which we will continue to do. But uh, every time we see each other, he's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? He's like, so we just kind of check and we're going to get t-shirts. I'm okay, you're okay. <laughs> no, but for some of you, it might feel like Dan's gone. He just died. I mean, the pain of losing someone that has been that close to you um, can be something that is really something to grieve, Right? I mean, it is, death is real and loss is real and, and the transfer of leadership is something that is real. You know, we have, uh, I have raised four girls and, I've, uh, and I, I have them for 18 years and then they move on and, and I've realized that even in my parenting role, my responsibilities are for a short period of time and so I've been able to lead my family for a short period of time and, and now I've got one that's got married and, and she's married to Stark and he's got to lead that family now and so I've, that baton of leadership has kind of moved over to Stark with Natalie and so I'm still trying to navigate my way through understanding what does it mean to be a parent of adult children but it's clear that my role as a leader in our family is changing and, and that's okay because that's the way God has designed it. 
But the loss of Moses had to be huge for his people. I mean, they had been slaves, and Moses led them out of captivity through the Exodus. Uh, He had given them the Ten Commandments. I mean, he had led them through the wilderness. They, They had been through so much together that I can't imagine the loss that they felt when Moses passed away. You know, Dan was our Moses. You know, maybe he led you to Christ. You know, maybe he did a wedding or a funeral for you or a family member or a friend. You know, maybe you were with him when he was in the elementary school, the high school. Maybe you were here when he first moved into this building. You know, maybe he's seen you through a difficult time. Dan has seen us through some difficult times. In the same way, Dan has led us to, in one sense, to the promised land, and now he's gone. And this leadership is being transferred to the next generation. Leaders do not last forever. And there's many reasons for that. But behind them all is one reality. God entrusts leadership to us temporarily. Moses is gone. Joshua's gone. David, Solomon, Peter, Paul, all the great men of the Bible, all the great women of the Bible, they're all gone. You know, God's servants come and go. When the people were following Moses, they were following God. It wasn't about Moses. It was about what God had for them together. When we follow a pastor, it isn't about the leader. It's about the Lord, isn't it? Leaders don't last forever. That's okay. It's a part of God's plan. And we need to acknowledge that if we're going to be able to embrace and run this race that God has laid out for us together. It's a part of God's plan. The second principle that we see in this passage earlier was is that God raises up new leaders for new times. God will raise up new leaders for new times. Moses had led the Israelites out of slavery through the Exodus into the wilderness. And so Moses had a leadership role that God used in an amazing way as he moved his people. And now they needed a new leader to defeat the enemies and to conquer the promised land. And he didn't just raise up Joshua all alone. He raised up other leaders with him. In verse 2, it says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over to the Jordan, you and this people, and go into the land that I'm going to give to them, to the people of Israel. And so, God raises up Joshua, but there's, there's people around him, there's leaders around him that would accomplish what God would have for them together. You know, with Joshua was Caleb. Caleb was a courageous, right-handed man who would follow the Lord anywhere. Joshua and Caleb, and I, I say this a lot, there's favorite verses in the Bible. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've said that too many times. But the story of Joshua and Caleb back in Numbers, when they are supposed to go into the promised land the first time, before they were got sent out into the wilderness, you know, Joshua and Caleb look into that land, and they said, we can take it. And, you know, there's a lot of grumbling, and they ended up not taking it, and so then they ended up in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb are two guys that I have tried to pattern my life after. There are guys that are dependent on, on God. That they're, they're men of faith that know that it's not about them, but about what God wants to accomplish. And Joshua and Caleb are two great leaders. And there's so much that we can learn from them. But when God raises up um, Joshua here, he's not just raising up Joshua. Caleb is right there 
by his side. There's 12 tribal leaders that are ready to guide their people. With Joshua, there was hundreds of judges that had been appointed by Moses. You know, when God raises up new leaders for new times, it's a team effort. It's not a one-man show. Just as running a relay race is a team effort as well. You know, you have to practice. You have to pass that baton off. We're, we're part of Team USA, and so when you look at being a part of a team, there's, there's no such thing as a one-man show when it's a team. Well, the body of Christ is a team. God says in his word that every one of us has a spiritual gift for the purpose of serving one another and building up this body of Christ. It's a team that this body of Christ exists. Because if it was up to just one man to do it, he'd burn out in a flash. God raises up new leaders for new times, and he does that in a team. And God has raised up some great leaders for Springbrook. We have got some great small group leaders. We've got 25 small groups of people that are leading and praying for and connecting. We've got over 200 people connected to a small group at Springbrook. Isn't that great? We have ministry leaders that are leading people in ministry that are serving, that are greeting, that are watching their kids, that are, that are serving the needs of people in our community during the week. We've got 75 people that are in formal positions of leadership with over 250 people serving in ministry. We have got some great leaders at Springbrook. We've got a great staff. We've got a great elders. And in the months ahead, God may be calling you to step forward and to step into a leadership role. You know, we have our leadership gathering you know, after the service today. And if you are interested in leadership, I want to invite you to come out and check out what it means to be a leader at Springbrook. God will raise up new leaders for new times at Springbrook. And he is preparing us for all he has for us together as we move forward. And I'd like to, you know, just share something with you. You know, Dan, in my mind, Dan has prepared us so well to run this race without him. He has done a great job raising up a team, and we will honor him best by running our best and passing on the baton well. We know that, that leadership is a temporary thing. We know that God raises up new leaders for new times. And the third principle that we can find from that passage is that we're going to need to grasp the future with a renewed courage. We need to grasp the future with renewed courage. You know, for 40 years, the Israelites had been in the desert. They didn't have any enemies. They were wandering. And God had been providing them all the food they needed each and every day. They didn't have to worry about the food for tomorrow. In fact, they were told, don't go get the food for tomorrow. Just worry about the food for today. God was meeting all their needs as they were wandering through the desert. The biggest challenge that was facing them was eating the same thing every day. And they complained about it. They had to have quail stuffed in their face. That was their concern at the time, but now... You know, they've been facing hardship and, and hunger, and they're, and they're going to face these battles. They're going to face enemies. I mean, it is a different time that they're getting ready to move into. It's no longer about wandering and about God just providing for you and trying to figure out what you're doing. They're getting ready to go in and conquer a land. I mean, it's going to be a completely different shift in what is required in leadership as they move forward together. God says this in verse 5, one, chapter 1, verse 5. No man's going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So they're getting ready to conquer this land. I'm sure they've got a hundred questions. I'm sure they're filled with fear. And God knows about this. And so he says, look, take courage. Be strong. Be courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Next, Going on to the next verse, it says this. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Is there something to be frightened of? Is there something to be dismayed about? Sure. You know, those circumstances of our life are going to cause us to have those feelings. And God knows that. As a result of that, he says, look, I know you're going to feel this way, but don't. Be strong. Be courageous. We need to embrace that courage. God knows how easy it is to lose our courage when we face large obstacles and difficulties and things aren't going the way that they should. And so he reminds us that he will be with us and he will go before us just as he was with Moses, just as he was with Joshua, and just as he has been with Dan for 24 years. You know, no one likes the unknown. We all want to know the future. I know I have questions, don't you? (laughs) We all have questions. We are in a season of transition, and we all have questions. And that's okay. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you. God says your assurance is not in knowing the future, but knowing that he holds our future. He will not fail us. Amen? We grasp the future with courage. Then number four, we need to embrace the future with a renewed vision. We need to embrace our future with a renewed vision. Not a new vision, not a different vision, with a renewed sense of what God has been calling us to. In verse 6, it says this, Be strong and courageous, for you shall call this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. This is not new vision. This is not different vision. This is a 600-year-old promise that was given to Abraham. It was a promise that was given to Moses, you know, just, just 40 years earlier. God did not change the vision that he had for his people. He called them to a renewed sense of what God would have for them together. And that's okay. That's healthy. God didn't change it. He wants us to embrace it. The same vision that God's given us, he's going to continue to give. Now, we're going to send an email out um, next week just talking about you know, some of the transition details. But one of the things that the Elder Board's put together is there's a list of things at Springbrook that will not change. And one of those things is our vision. We are committed to reaching this community for Jesus Christ. And we are committed to helping you to grow in your faith. Our vision is to be a church that is reaching and building passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's a foundation that has built this ministry that's going to carry us into the future. And it's my prayer for us as we move through this transition that there be a renewed sense of what God has called us to together. It's not about a new vision. It's about a renewed vision. God didn't change his vision. We're not changing our vision. 
The same is true with our church. We are not building a new vision, but we are praying for a renewed pursuit of an existing vision. And so if you don't know what our vision statement is, it's on the front of our bulletin, it's on the inside of the bulletin, it's on everything that we print. There are some things that define what this church is about, and those things will not change. We want to help people to know, love, and become like Jesus. Our vision is to reach our community for Christ and to make passionate followers. And I believe that God has divinely orchestrated this moment in the life of our church. He has brought these people together, the events of our past, the events of our present. He's brought these opportunities together. And it's a, he brought all these things together at this exact time to give us everything that we would need to move into our future together. So the question is, is will you seize the opportunity to be a part of what God has for us together as we move into our future? Will you embrace that challenge? Do you have a renewed sense of vision and what God is calling us to? That's my prayer for our church as we move through this transition period. That was principle four. The fifth principle is that we are called to run the race with an intentional commitment. We are to run the race with an intentional commitment. You know, the interesting thing about carrying a baton, uh, the interesting thing about working in ministry and carrying a load is that it can be what? It can be tiring. (laughs) When things don't go the way we want, when choices are made that we wouldn't choose, it can be discouraging. And so we're going to experience that in ministry. When you are tired, when you are discouraged, It can feel like what God is calling you to, what God wants you to do, is just too hard. I was a a pastor of a church up in Johnsburg, and I had a family that had left and uh, got together with them afterwards. I I never have the opportunity to talk to people beforehand. It's always after, right? (laughs) And so uh, I was asking what some of the deal was going on with them. And he said, you know, he said there was a couple of relationships that just weren't going right and had some tension. And I said, well, I said, that's why you're leaving is because there was some tension in some relationship. And I said, well, yeah, to be honest with you, you know, yeah, we've been doing this for three years. And I'm just tired. And um, I said, well, have you tried to get together with the, any of the other families? No. How come you didn't come let me know? Well, I don't know. And I was like, well, you don't have to leave. I said, why don't, why don't you kind of reengage? I said, I'd love the opportunity to talk with you and you know, can I help you process through this. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, you know what? He paused for a second. He said, that just sounds like too much work. (laughs) You know, that's the bottom line. It just sounds like too much work. It's easy to get tired. It's easy to get discouraged. Maybe you're thinking, this is exactly why I don't become a member at Springbrook. This is why I avoid people. I don't want anybody asking me to do anything. I'm already burned out. I got too much going on. Don't you know what's going on in my life? There are so many things that work against us. And these thoughts and these feelings, these are all a part the human condition. These are normal feelings that we all have, that we all experience. These are a part of the human condition. And God knows that. God knew that. So he says this to Joshua in verse 8. He says, I want you to... There's verse 8 up. There it is. He says, this book of the law, <laughs> this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, let me ask you this. How do you define success? 
What does success look like in ministry? What does that look like in your own life? What does it look like in your job, your family? You know, what does success look like in ministry? You know, if you want to be in anything for the long haul, if you want to finish the race well, and you want to pass the baton on well, you have to stay close to God, and you have to stay in His Word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then your way will be prosperous, prosperous, and you will have good success. And so if we're going to have a successful transition, if we're going to move into our future together, if we're going to be prosperous and have some success for that, we've got to be close to God and in His Word. There's a formula there. It's almost like a formula. If you do these things, these things will happen. Now, it doesn't mean everything's going to go the way that we want it to, but we know that that's not where we find our prosperity and our success. It's rooted in who we are in Christ. If you want to stay strong for the long haul and you want this ministry to stay strong for the long haul, and if you want to see us accomplish our vision for reaching this community for Christ and building passionate followers, we have got to be rooted in God's Word and close to God. Only then will we find success. Now's not the time to say, you know, I think I'm going to wait to see what this is like. You know, a lot of people will just say, well, I'm going to wait to see what's happening before I make a decision. Or you know, now's the time to say, you know, I want to jump in. I want, this is a defining moment in my life. It's a defining moment in our church, and we need people engaged in ministry. This is the time that God has led us up to move into the promised land. And as scary as it is, as many questions as we have, we know that God is going to go before us. This is the time for us to say, you know what? My friends need me. My church needs me. The people where I work, they need me. You know, they, you know where I work and I live, those people that don't know Jesus Christ, we need this church. You know, the, the population in this area, I got news for you. It, it's not going to fit in this building. And it's not going to fit in Willow Creek. And it's not going to fit in Harvest. There's, there's 150,000 people in this area, and they're not all going to fit in here. And I don't know what your neighborhood looks like, but a lot of mine don't know who Christ is. They don't go to church. We need this church. It is vitally, critically important to the mission that God has for reaching the people in our community for Christ. We need Springbrook. We need to be committed to what God has for us, which leads us to our sixth and last principle. We need to be prepared for God's leading. We need to prepare ourselves for God's leading. Look down at this next verse. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, I want you to pass through the midst of the camp. I want you to command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Prepare yourself. We're getting ready to do this in three days. Are you ready for what God has for us as we move into the future? We need to prepare ourselves for what God has for us. Part of that is how we pray for one another, how we serve together, how we, how we take time out to stop and reflect and talk about what God's doing in our lives. You know, I don't know about you, but I can tell you this. We have been, from a ministry perspective, God has just continues to go before us in just so many different ways. God has been faithful. He's been victorious. We have been moving this ball down the field. We have, we have done some great things with our discipleship pathway. We've got some great systems in place. We've raised up some new leaders. We have been moving, and we have been moving, and we have been moving. 
And now is the time for us to stop and to prepare ourselves for what God has for us. And so we're getting ready to move into a transition period. I know there's part of me wants to say, well, can't we just make some decisions and get this ball, you know, get the show on the road? That's what, that was the expression of my house. We need to get this show on the road. And so stopping to wait and quiet ourselves and prepare ourselves is something that God has called us to do. We need to take time out to talk to one another. You know, you've got that welcome slip on, your, uh, on the inside of your program. If you have any questions, you, know, you can write that down on those welcome slips. We want to hear from you. I really would encourage you to please put your name on there. <laughs> the anonymous things, you know, we can't do anything with. But we want to hear from you. Our leaders are going to be meeting today after the service. We're going to be talking about what God has for us together. You know, all those ministry team leaders, there's 75 ministry team leaders, and, you know, there's, there's over 250 people on their teams. And so as we enter into this next season, it's going to be about talking and listening to one another and preparing ourselves for what God has for us together. And it's going to take probably more than three days. It'll take a little bit more than three days. But the principle is, is that we need to be prepared. You know, today is Communion Sunday. And so we're going to celebrate communion this morning. And, you know, it's my prayer that we can stop and reflect on the hope that we have in Christ. Because that's what, that's what undergirds our ministry. That's, what, that's where our focus is. It's about who we are in Jesus, right? It's about him. And when we partake of communion together, it's an opportunity for us to stop and to pause and to reflect. It's an opportunity for us to give thanks and to celebrate that hope that we have in Christ. You know, if you have a relationship with Christ, you have the assurance of spending eternity in heaven. That is a gift. And if you have it, that's something that probably 75% of the people around you don't have. It's a gift. And if you're secure in where you, where you are in Christ and who you are with Christ, that's a gift. And communion is an opportunity for us to stop and to recognize that through Christ's death on the cross, through the, the, through the fact that he is who he claimed to be, through his resurrection, we have the assurance but you want to place our faith in him and know where we're going. That's great news. And we need to stop and reflect and ponder that in our hearts. And we didn't just have Jesus come for us so we can get into heaven, but in John 10, 10, it says that we can have life and have it to the full. And so because of who we are in Christ now, we can experience the fullness of heaven today. In a fallen and broken world, we know where our hope lies. And communion is an opportunity for us to stop and to reflect and to give thanks for that. Paul would also go on to say in 1 Corinthians, that's an opportunity for us to examine ourselves. And so we don't do communion lightly. You know, it's an opportunity for us to be intentional about reflecting on who we are. It's also an opportunity for us to examine our hearts, our motivations, our circumstances in life and say, God, is there some area that I need to turn over to you? You know, Paul warns us not to take communion in an unworthy manner. And so communion is an opportunity for us to stop and to reflect. And I can't think of a better way for us to be prepared for what God has for us than to stop and to reflect and celebrate who we are uh, in Christ. Our worship team is going to come out now, and uh, we're going to sing uh, uh, this next song, and uh, we're going to pass out the communion elements in just a moment. Um, if you have a relationship with Christ, we celebrate open communion here at Springbrook, and so if you have a relationship with Christ, we invite you to participate. There's two cups. You can take one of those, and uh, you hold that. We're going to come back and take communion together. If your kids are with you this morning, we just want to make sure that um, your kids understand what communion is. And so if you have questions about communion, about what relationship with Christ is, we are glad you are here. And don't feel like you have to participate. You know, as a kid, we used to do communion. Everybody had to go up to the front to get it. And I didn't want to be sitting in the pew by myself. So half the time I just walked up there, I'm not sitting by myself. (laughs) 
If you have questions about that, we're glad you're here. We want to help you to understand the fullness of the promise that we have in Christ this morning. And so our worship team is going to come forward. They're going to pass out those elements now. Uh, we're going to sing the first couple of verses together, and then they're going to pause, and we're going to come back, and we're going to take communion together in just a moment. sitting around the table together having dinner. He picked up a loaf of bread. He said, this loaf of bread is reflective of my body that's going to be broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat the bread, do this in remembrance of me.
I want to thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come together this morning. Um, God, I thank you for just for the way that you've provided for this ministry. I thank you for your years of faithfulness. Uh, God, I thank you for Dan's leadership. I thank you for the leaders that have been raised up for this harvest. Uh, God, you have been faithful in our past. Help us to be able to trust you with our present. Uh, increase our faith as you move us into our future together. And we look forward to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, 